Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right. Well, there was a a little boy who was anticipating baseball season, and because it was baseball season, uh, he was going to play Little League, and he didn't have his own baseball bat, so he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save for my own baseball bat. And so he started saving his pennies and putting them away in his little bank and things, and and then uh, in his nightly prayers, his mom overheard him fervently praying, God, please, please, please help me to save my money so I can buy a baseball bat. And don't let the ice cream man come down the street. (laughs) You know, we, we all are aware of the fact that there are opportunities and things that happen and people who have a tendency to want to lead us astray and to do things that we really don't want to do. We have our eyes focused and we want to get something done. And then all of a sudden, oh, here it is over here. And we find ourselves following that person or doing that thing. And then after we've done it, we we say to ourselves, what did I, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Anybody else besides me done that before? Okay. Yeah. I think we've all been there. We have this desire to do something and we don't get it done for whatever reason. Now, it also applies to our spiritual life. How many times have you, maybe you heard a special speaker, you were at a camp, you were at a retreat, you were doing your devotions, you're really convicted about something and God is, is speaking into your life and you're saying, yes, God, yes, I want to say yes to you, I want to follow you, I want to do what you want me to do, I want to be the kind of person you want me to be, and something just happens. All, for all the commitment that you've given, Verbally, it doesn't happen physically. You you just veer off course. You find yourself in a place where you say, how did I get here? Why did I do that? Because it's not what I really want. And and, and you you find yourself in in that spot of tension, right? In your own life. Well, John, in 1 John... Chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, you want to open that up. Um, he's talking about this issue. What do we do uh, when we feel like we're being called astray, called off course, right? Well, First John chapter 2, verse 18. I love how he always addresses the, the, the people of God as dear children. You, you are children of God, right? He says, dear children, this is the last hour... And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Now, there's a whole bunch of terms in there that we need to talk about today. First one is the last hour. Last hour. Now, the last hour is a a kind of time, not a specific time. So it's talking about, uh, in general, this is the way it is during this period of time, okay? So it's not talking about uh, 
the time has come. It's like, ooh, it's 12 o'clock. Bang, I got to get down the stairs before the prince, you know, I'm revealed to Cinderella. No, it's not that kind of time. So this is not talking about a sequence of time and you have finally arrived. It's talking about a time period. Okay? So, So John is saying, in this time, this time period... That is encompassing us, encompassing, how do I, I'm saying the word wrong, encompassing us. That's it. Wow, wow, you get older and you just kind of run into these speed bumps once in a while. All right. Okay. Uh, so he says here that this time period, this kind of time that we're in right now, there are antichrists. Ooh. Now that's a scary term. Anybody who's been a Christian for a little while, knows that that this term antichrist it re, it reveals or refers to two kinds of antichrist one is the antichrist which in the book of revelation later on you hear that there's going to be one person who rises up in the world and he becomes a world-based leader and he is the one who is anti-Jesus, anti-Christ, and he is going to be the ruler during that, that last time. He's going to promote peace, but then it's a false peace, and then everything is going to break loose, and there's going to be wars, and it's just really bad. Uh, if you want to know more about it, talk to your friend. Okay, um, but the other term is antichrists. Now, it's kind of like a, a mini version. You know, you've heard of the mini-me, right? Okay. Antichrists are kind of like the final Antichrist, but it can be almost anybody. What he's talking about is there are people who are just anti-against Jesus. Now, I have to admit that there are very few people that I have met in my years that are really, you know, anti-Jesus. Most people think Jesus is pretty cool. Right. I mean, Jesus, uh, he kind of loves everybody, does miracles. He makes wine. He he does lots of stuff that people would say, oh, I could hang with Jesus. Right. Um, So they're they're cool on him being a good teacher, a nice guy, all these kind of things. But in reality here, it's saying they are anti-Christ. They are against his position as we proclaim him as God in human flesh, all right? They'll, they'll buy the fact that he was a good human teacher and all those things, but they do not buy that he is God that has embodied a human body, right? And that he is the last and final word on everything. They don't believe that he really died for everyone's sins, And they don't believe that he was resurrected from the dead. They don't believe any of the real truth of who Jesus is. And most of all, they don't buy into being one of his disciples. Now, they might follow some of his teachings, but they very conveniently pick and choose the ones that they want to follow and don't follow the other teachings that he has as well. So, there is the Antichrist and there are Antichrists. There are people who are anti who Jesus actually is as the Son of God in human flesh 
who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for the penalty of all of, of mankind's sins and rose from the grave, proving that he is indeed God, ascended into heaven and now sits at the, the, the right hand of the Father and waits, okay, to come back someday. Now, that is what it's talking about. There are all kinds of, of people during this time period, since 2,000 years ago, this time's been going on. From the time that Jesus was on the earth until even right now, there have always been people who don't believe and propagate uh, ideas that Jesus really isn't who he said he is and who we believe and and what the scripture says about who Jesus is. So there's a person who leads the final one, and there's false teachers, both formal and informal, who embody the spirit of Antichrist. Now, here's the key question. How can we... As people tell the difference between those who are led by the spirit of Christ and led by the spirit of Antichrist. Well, this is this is a concern of John. John was a follower of Jesus. He believes that Jesus is all those things that I said. And he says there are Antichrists and we need to know and be aware of who they are. And so he gives us some information. In First John uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets, which would be considered antichrists, have gone out into the world. So he's, he is setting out a warning here. He says, be careful. There are people out there that are that are trying to deceive you and, and who will, with every effort, lead you astray. So, first point here is that Antichrists eventually leave the true fellowship of believers. That's your first sign that they are really Antichrist, okay? Because what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that you have become a part of the family of God. Right. And that family of God is what we call the church. Now, it gets a little confusing because there are lots and lots and lots, lots, lots of churches. Right. And they are a little nuanced. They believe a little bit different. They're a little bit different here, a little bit different there. But the one thing that all true churches should have in common, the one thing is that they all believe that Jesus is who the scripture says he is. That he is God in human flesh who paid the penalty for mankind's sin, who rose from the grave and ascended to the heaven. All those things, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. All right? That's the one main idea that all churches should have in common. Now, what does it mean when a person leaves the fellowship? They leave the, the, the church. It means that uh, in 1 John two nineteen, it says, they went out from us, talking about the church, they left the church, but they did not really belong to us. Now, th- this brings up an interesting point, is that there are people who hang out in the church, the fellowship, the body of Christ, right? There are people who hang out potentially with us who really aren't buying in to who Jesus is, okay? John says that happened then, it happens now. And the reason, the way that you can tell whether or not a person is really a committed Christ follower is eventually they leave. 
Now, this is not saying they just move from church to church. Okay, sometimes we make that mistake. Like they're not really a Christian because they left our church. Okay, well, you know, there are a lot of other churches that are meeting right now. Okay, just because a person, you might have been a part of another church at one time. Just because you left that church doesn't mean you aren't, aren't a Christian, right? But we look for a group of people, a fellowship of the people who are dedicated to following Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And they want to live according to the way that he teaches us to live. They believe in Jesus, that he paid the penalty for their sin, and they want to hang together with other people who believe the same thing, and they want to get instruction on how Jesus instructed his people to live together. Okay? If a person is an antichrist, they will eventually leave that influence over their life. They'll just get tired of it. Now, some hang in there for a long time because what they do is they want to intentionally cause a ruckus. Satan will actually plant people in churches, good, good, good churches, and there will be people who will act like they're a follower of Jesus, but they really aren't. They're just there to cause havoc, okay, cause division. And in other places in the Scripture, it, it talks about what do you do with those people? Well, it says, essentially, you need to move them along. Move them out of influence over your congregation. I think Pastor Brian did a really good job talking about that a few months ago. So that's one of the things that he he tells us about um, what is the evidence and, and how can you actually recognize an antichrist. Now, we also need to keep in mind that there are people who leave the fellowship of the church sometimes who are not antichrists, but they're strange sheep, okay? Um, and, and it's hard to know sometimes. You know, some of you have people maybe in your family or maybe you have been a person who got disillusioned or got hurt and you left the fellowship of the church for a period of time because you were, you were just confused and hurt and maybe even angry. That happens. That happens. Well, so it makes it difficult, right, sometimes to know who's who. What we have to do is expect the best of one another and love like Jesus did. And Jesus told the parable of, uh, the, parable of, of the, the lost sheep, right? What did he do? He left 99 sheep behind to go out and find that one sheep that was, was straying. Now, we also know that sheep um, typically... Um, sorry if there's any sheep here. Sheep are just dumb, okay? Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, my wife and I, we were, on a, we were on a walk one time, and uh, they had this little sheep pen in our neighborhood, and, and we walked around the, the corner, and here this sheep had stuck his head through a wire fence. Anybody ever seen that before? Sheep do that? Man, they, they're just stubborn. Like he had all kinds of grass in his pen, and yet, I guess there was one blade of grass outside the bin that he really thought was better tasting than this one over here. And he stuck his head just like, boom, popped right through there. And he couldn't pull it out. He could not pull it out. I mean, I pushed on that guy's head until I thought his ears were going to come off, right? And had to just jam him back through that fence. And he was he was pushing back at me. I said, I'm going to win. And I pushed him. I finally got him through. Finally got him through. And you know what? He didn't even say thank you. 
I mean, sheep can just be dumb, right? And, and most of the time when I have gotten off course, I, I, I just, in my lucid moment, say, Bruce, you were just so dumb. How could you be so foolish, right? So, so there are those moments where you have to be discerning and we have to, to love on people enough to go after them if they've strayed. But John is concerned here and he says, we need to understand that there are, there are strange sheep, but there are also people who are antichrist. Now, the second thing that we see here is that antichrist deny that Jesus is the Christ. Real believers know they're loved by God and they boldly declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, remember, Jesus told about, or the Gospels tell about one moment when Jesus was was delivering someone from demons and the demons recognized who Jesus was and they spoke to him, Jesus, Son of God. So just because someone recognizes and even declares who Jesus is does not necessarily mean that they are a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, you, you can know who somebody is, but you don't not necessarily are dedicated to being their follower. And so just because someone says, oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus is all that the Bible says he is, doesn't mean they're really a follower of Jesus. Because what does a follower really mean? Follower. It means I am actually going to receive instruction and direction from Jesus, and I'm going to follow that direction. I'm going to live like Jesus wants me to live, right? So a lot of people say that the sinner's prayer, and they invite Jesus into their heart, and they say all the right things, and then they go out and they live just the opposite, right? So one of the they're not just one sign about what an antichrist is like. There are many signs. One is that they are really not a part of the fellowship. They'll eventually leave the fellowship, that influence of the church. Or they just don't live like a Christian. Now, keep in mind, this is nuanced because we know that not all of us who are dedicated try to be followers of Jesus, right? Make it. In terms of perfection. Remember, the word sin is amartia. It means to miss the mark. It means that there is an intent to hit the mark, but I miss it once in a while, right? So, how do you know that a person is not an anti, uh, how a person is an antichrist and, and not a true follower of Jesus? It's when they do miss the mark, it is because maybe it's an intentional miss. Okay, intentional sin. In other words, they do what is against Jesus' teachings intentionally. They don't really care. They don't really care. And they don't lead a confessional life. That's really the key. The difference between a true follower of Jesus and an antichrist is that a true follower of Jesus, when they do realize that they have missed the mark, they do something about it. Right. They confess that sin. They say the same thing about that sin that God says about the sin. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? What's the process? 
I say to God, that was wrong. I agree with you. I say the same thing that you say about my sin, and that is that it's wrong. I also say the second thing about sin that Jesus says, and that is that it is forgiven. And then the third thing is I say, you know what? I can and want to overcome this sin with the help of Jesus and the help of Jesus' family. Right? So the difference between an antichrist is they don't, they don't do that. They'll say, sorry. Like, sorry, I bugged you. Sorry, I hurt you. Sorry, 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 sorry. But they don't really believe that they're forgiven. They don't really mean that they agree that it was wrong. They're sorry that maybe they got caught. They're sorry that maybe they hurt somebody. That's their friend. But they don't really embrace the idea of leading a consistent confessional life before Jesus. All right? So that's the difference between a real follower of Christ and one who isn't, right? Okay. The third thing that we need to keep in mind is that antichrists try to lead Christians and others who may not be a Christian yet, they like to lead them astray, kind of like a bad navigation system, right? I mean, you ever had a bad navigator? Okay. Not talking about your husband or your wife. Okay. Right? I mean, that'd be kind of cool. I remember when there wasn't navigate, navigation uh, and we would plan a trip and I would, you know, methodically write down all these directions. I'd, uh, and, and so I you get a map. So as you youngers ask your parents what a map is. OK, just just figure it out. But boy, you know, we're trying to navigate and sometimes the navigation doesn't go right. Right. Then afterwards, it says recalculating. Right. Hate that when it has, says that. Recalculating all the time, recalculating. Of course, I don't really like to believe the navigation anyway, but anyway, the, the, the Antichrist, what they do is they intentionally try to lead people astray. Sometimes they do it very in a sneaky way, but they're always, always just calling you off course a little bit. And they might even say, you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, you know. And and the idea is here that they want to live loose and fast and do their own thing, their own way. And if they get caught, okay, maybe I'll I'll say I'm sorry. But the idea here is that that antichrists are actually trying to lead us away from the influence of Jesus' teaching and Jesus' family. So be careful. Be careful. See, we've been warned about Antichrist that they'll try to lead us astray by essentially promoting little lies about Jesus' teachings. They just, they just change a little bit, a little bit. And I tell you, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Now, I know, like I said earlier, there are a lot of churches that have a lot of different takes on the Bible. And, you know, it, it seems to me sometimes that it's like, wow, how did they get there? And I know that, that someone would say to, to me, Bruce, you're not always right about everything in Scripture, right? Um, we need to keep on course as best we possibly can and stay true to the teachings of Jesus. But when people are seemingly intentionally just drawing us away from the truth, keep in mind that the one main truth is, is the one that we need to keep in focus. Who is Jesus Christ? All right. Who is Jesus Christ? And are we willing when we understand or as best we know 
we're going to actually say yes to him at every turn. And if we get off course, we're going to, going to confess that and then continue to move forward. But what's really interesting to me as I read the scriptures is that Satan is a master at deception. He's a master at deception. And the way he deceives the best is with little lies. Little lies. Just change one word. Just take you 1% off course. And then years later, that 1% means you're way, way, way from where you want to be. Okay? A little illustration of this, you know, the little things gone wrong. In 1911, there was a guy named Bobby Leach. Uh, interesting looking character. He's a 53-year-old Englishman. Uh, and he startled the world by going over Niagara Falls in this contraption there. Uh, he called it a barrel, but, you know, it was basically a, a, a metal tube that he went over in. And, you know, he went over, he prepped for this thing, and he made sure the thing was strong enough to, you know, hit against rocks and all these things. He actually went over Niagara Falls and he survived it. Not one thing. I mean, maybe a little bit bruised, but he, he was great, right? Well, what was interesting is that some years later, in 1926, uh, he was on a publicity tour in New Zealand, and uh, he slipped on an orange peel, okay? He slipped on an orange peel. His leg became infected. Uh, it got gangrene, and uh, then there were, they had some uh, um, uh, uh, little problems with it, and then they, they, tried, they tried a procedure to amputate his leg, and despite all that, guess what? He got an infection, and he died. So here's a guy who goes over Niagara Falls in a barrel and survives, and then he slips on an orange peel and dies. You're saying, like, nice story, you know, okay, but what's the point, right? Well, the point is, right, the point is, is you can get in a lot more trouble than you think with just a little diversion from what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to think just little things in the wrong way. Like, it's okay to hate that person because they're mean. No. You're not supposed to hate anybody. You're supposed to what? Love people, right? And, and all those little things, you know, oh, yeah, I know. I know I really shouldn't do that, but. And then you do it. And then later on, you figure out, wow, that really made a significant impact on my life and maybe on the life of others around me. So we need to pay attention to the little things sometimes while we're keeping the big things in focus. So Satan loves to get us just to slowly and gradually accept something that we know is wrong. And then someday we wake up and go, how in the world did I get here? Now, keep in mind that Satan loves to imitate God's work. Uh, John says that each true believer um, has the experience, quote, of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, that seems kind of spooky to some people, but that's in 1 John 2.20. Uh, and he calls the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit of truth. Um, I've experienced this several times. I've been with other people who've experienced this. And that is that you and I have to realize that it is a true statement when the Bible says that when you 
give your life to Christ, you invite him into your life and you become a dedicated follower of Jesus, that you receive the Holy Spirit who lives in you. The Bible says he abides, he stays, he lives in you. And he's not going to leave you. And he is that still, small voice the scripture refers to that is trying to speak into your life. And he is there to remind you and to kind of, I guess, wake you up when something is wrong. Now, some of us, we've done what's wrong so long that we kind of become calloused against hearing that. But if in our moments, if, if every day we would wake up and we, we just say, God, give me a renewed sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I mean, invite God to speak into your life and, and ask him, say, God, if there is some area of my life that is out of sync with the way it should be, Please, give me that message. I mean, there are people that I, I've, I've heard speak and they were saying all the right things, but in my, in my gut, I knew there's something, there's something fishy here. It's, it just doesn't feel right. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. But understand that it is a real Physical thing, God's spirit lives in you. And you need to be accessible to hearing his voice. Okay? And maybe it, maybe it's just an, an issue of sometimes uh, something's going to come down the pike that's new. And, and you're saying, should I do this? Or should I spend money on this? Or should I hang out with this person? Or whatever it is. Have a conversation with God first. Okay? And if you're not really sure, maybe... Maybe invite a trusted friend into that conversation. And together, invite God's Spirit to speak into you. And open your ears, listen, because God does have something to say. Now, last verse I want to point you to, it's 1 John 4, 4. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. <clears throat> Can I get a woo-hoo? Yeah, that was kind of weak, but you know. You guys go to ball games. And, yeah, baby! Poof! Okay, come on. You can get a little excited about it. This is important stuff. The reason that John writes this is because he wants you to know that you are the winner. Okay, we have won. In the end, when it all comes down to it, the followers of Christ who live into what Jesus says that we should live into, we win. It's an important deal. Okay? It is. Yeah, I got one woo. Okay, that's good. All right? So you are on the winning team. Now, the best illustration in in uh, um, nature that I can think of is the hawk. We, we live over by Fresno State, and we walk around the, the Fresno State farm over there all the time. And every once in a while, we see, like, hawks and stuff. But there's a whole gob of blackbirds over there, too, and crows. And they like to pick on hawks. It's very interesting. I, I just don't get it, you know? Sometimes little blackbirds will just, right? That's what they sound like if you don't know, okay? Um, 
But th- this hawk is just flying along. It's a beautiful, gorgeous bird, these red-tailed hawks. And, and, and these other birds are just pecking at him and pecking at him. And you know what the hawk does? I mean, a hawk could just turn and go like, oh, you're done. Okay? But he doesn't. What he does is he just starts flying higher. Starts flying higher and flying higher. See? And it gets to a certain point to where the other birds go like, this is getting too high for me. Right? And they're just left behind. I don't know if they can't, they can't breathe. I don't know if their little lungs are little or whatever, you know. But the way that the hawk overcomes those who are pestering him is he just flies higher. Right? How can you overcome and, and resist those those invitations from the Antichrist or those whatever, you know, the people that are trying to pull you astray, fly higher. Go deeper into God's word. Become more dedicated follower of Jesus, not less. Okay? The, the, the one main reason that I, as a, as a Christ follower, had problems is because I was, I was flying too low. I was just, I was flying among the blackbirds and the little guys that were doing their own thing. And the way that you start to feel more successful, more, more, I guess, more like a Jesus follower, you have more confidence in your own faith in Christ is that you fly higher. You go deeper. Okay. You want to become more dedicated than you've ever been before. Okay. And we're not going to be perfect ever, but we can sure be better, right? All right, let's pray. And we'll invite the team to come and get ready to lead us in our last song. Lord, thank you so much that you love us uh, more than we can ever imagine. And thank you for this warning. Um, well, when we see a warning sign, we need to take, take, take warning, take it seriously. And God, thank you for your disciple, John, who is... Just helping us to see that that this life, um, as good as it is, can be very difficult because there are antichrists who don't believe who Jesus is and who don't live the way he calls us to live. Help us to fly higher into being more dedicated as your followers. And as we do that, God, thank you for the reminder, the constant reminder that we are able to overcome the world and it's lures, it's all of the temptations that are there, God. Thank you that we can uh, hear your spirit speaking into our life as, you, as we invite you to. So God, we love you, we bless you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.